Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uctana, and today we'll be working with cord connections, the physical ties which provide us a direct line to our loved ones. We'll look at how they give us real-time information, emotional support and feedback, as well as how to modify or cut them when things are out of balance or need to end. When we think about how we're connected to people, we think of emotions, love, friendship, grief, shared misery, and hate. Or our connections can seem to be formed from thoughts, communities coming together through mutual interests, perspectives, or goals. Spiritual aspects of life call us into connection, whether through intimate relationship or community which gathers to practice, learn, and grow. While all of these have physical actions which can manifest from them, they are themselves ephemeral. It can seem as if our connections with others are internal and their connections with us a mystery. What most people don't realize is these connections have a physical manifestation apart from our actions. Within us, the Akasha is constantly flowing, allowing us to create ourselves and incorporate our becoming into our greater soul beingness. Part of our Akasha, our soul essence, reaches out when we connect with people in any form, emotional, mental, or spiritual. When our Akasha meets theirs, a cord is created. It's a living connection which works somewhat like a computer's internet cable constantly sending energy and information back and forth from one person to the other. Cord connections come in all strengths and sizes. While most people equate this with a soulmate, significant other, or a child, we also have cords with our co-workers, friends, family of origin, neighbors, and people we see on a regular basis, such as bartenders, grocery clerks, or mail persons. The strength and persistence of the cord reflects the nature of the connection, both in size and location. Neighbors might be connected to our right leg if we're working on a project together, such as neighborhood watch or a block party. The connection might be on our left leg if they're simply supportive, good neighbors who make our life pleasant. People we meet throughout our day might connect with our left arm because they make things better by helping us get what we need done, while co-workers might connect with our right because they help us create products and services which go out into the world. Lovers, significant others, children, and those closest to our hearts create cords which are, well, closest to our hearts. This is usually the largest, ranging from the width of a coffee cup to that of a dinner plate. At the beginning of such connections, the energy flows between us like a wave. We can seem to be drowning in it as our life is transformed by the romance, love, awe over new life, and so on. It's transformative, as so much is shared and created. Later, the connection begins to normalize, finding a rhythm of its own which is nurturing and pleasant to both. This connection is in part how we can know our lover's mood or thoughts before ever seeing them. It's the reason we can know someone is injured even though they're continents away, 
or we can be sure beyond doubt they're alive when the evidence is against it. And we can send the strongest of assurances, even though we have no other means of communicating. Chords can facilitate our connecting in the Akashics or in Dreamtime, allow us to keep track of the other throughout the day, and be a means for us to set aside active participation in a relationship when our lives become overwhelmed with doing or being. Chords are part of the reason we can lose track of a friend for years or even decades, and then reconnect and feel like no time has passed. In healthy relationships, chords help us understand each other when the words won't come. Support our intuition in finding the right way or the right thing to do, and are the validation that what we know to be true is true. They help sustain us when there are difficulties in our relationship, when communication breaks down, and when life requires us to dig deep in order to get through. They can also be a means of telling us when something is wrong. If the other person is feeling hurt but not showing it, we may get the information via the cord. This doesn't mean we'll automatically understand the message, however. It's not uncommon for our minds to dismiss our knowing because the external evidence is to the contrary and, very often, we would rather not know. This is something all of us understand instinctively as human beings, that like ringing a bell, once we know something, we can't unknow it. So many times the information which comes to us via accord, we shrug off. When relationships begin to struggle or become bad, the cord connection doesn't end. In fact, negative emotions can be just, if not more, powerful than positive ones, and so strengthen the connection, sending more energy one way or the other, not less. This aids and abets the unfortunate situation where two people are in a failing or failed relationship, know it should end, yet can't seem to let go of the unending negativity. It can cause couples, families, or friends to get stuck in a never-ending now of negative events. As relationships come and go in our lives, so do cord connections. It's normal for a cord to fade away when our interactions with a person end. As a physical manifestation of relationship, they can also change over time. The cord between acquaintances can swell when romance blooms. Another, which was strong during a time lived together as roommates, can dwindle to a thread of remembrance after decades apart. Friendships can fade and settle into soothing rituals, marriage can end with legal papers, or business partnerships form with the shake of a hand. Biological family cords and those formed through adoption or step-parenting whether large and active or small through distance, remain until one or the other of us crosses over. In a situation where we know we need to end things or set a strong boundary to prevent further negative interactions, but the other person is opposed, their desire to prevent us can feed through a cord connection, making us conflicted and confused. This can support the yo-yoing effect of an on-again, off-again relationship, the inability to provide tough love to a child or parent, or make us avoidant of a discussion which is desperately needed between us and the other. But just like with relationships, we can manage how much or how little of us cords transmit. 
Cords can be removed, commonly called cutting, leaving us unencumbered for a time. This doesn't end a cord connection or a relationship. If there's an active relationship, healthy or not, a cord will reform after being disconnected. However, the process of cutting can provide us with relief for a time, which can be all-important. Cord cutting can help us remember and redefine who we are separate from the situation, the relationship, or the emotional event, and reground ourselves in our essential nature. If done before bed or a nap, being free of connection can allow us full access to our own energy reserves, so we can heal unimpeded. During our time without cords, we can reset our boundaries or create new ones, reprogram our energy, make decisions and resolve conflicts within us so we're different when the cord reforms. The new energy will then feed back to the other, influencing the relationship, supporting us, and the life we're choosing to lead. Repeated cord cutting with boundary setting can cause a cord to minimize or dissipate. If a relationship is difficult and a struggle, daily cutting of the connection along with a resolution to minimize contact and release meditative or persistent thoughts concerning the person will cause the cord to reduce as a reflection of the true status of the relationship. Also, if a relationship is not providing the energy, drama, interactions, or feedback desired by the other, then the cord will dissipate naturally as people tend to stop doing something when they aren't getting the results they want. Daily cord cutting can be relatively simple, requiring only a light source, a means of dissipating energy, and you. This can be done outside, where the air moves and the sun is shining, or inside with a lamp and a fan. I usually recommend it be done in the bathroom if you're doing it inside, because there are usually rather bright lights near the mirror, and a strong fan to draw the energy completely out of the house. To cut cords, place your hand against the area of your body you wish to clear, with the thumb against you and your palm facing away. So, if you're going to clear your chest, make your hand flat or slightly cupped, place the back of your thumb against your chest, and have your palm facing down. Then drag your hand gently and slowly down, feeling your palm gather cords. Do this until you feel your hand is full, like gathering a bouquet of flowers. When it's full, grip the bundle, turn your hand palm up, raise it to face level, turn yourself to the light source, then blow the cords in your hand towards the light, like blowing out a candle or blowing the seeds off a dandelion. Cords, while energetic, act a bit like rubber bands. If you simply remove them, they'll snap back into place. They're attracted to energy, and you are the closest. Blowing them into a light source provides them an alternative, which will be satisfactory in the short term, and allow them to dissipate naturally. Any leftover energy will be sucked out through the fan or blown away by the wind. A full cord cutting should start with the top of the head. I tend to section the body by doing top of head to bottom of chin, then front torso, top and bottom of each arm, then use both hands simultaneously to sweep the front of the legs. The back is a bit different. You start at the top of the head and move to the shoulders, then sweep the back as best you can. 
The one area to check thoroughly is your heart center or right between the shoulder blades. Many family connections land there and can be large and strong. Then use both hands to sweep the buttocks and down the back of the legs. For each section, take the connections, turn to the light source, and blow. Connections will have formed again the next day, but they will have adjusted to the new you and will also have reset with current energy from the other. Cord connections can be formed by and or reflect negative relationships. Vampiric relationships will include cord connections where one person is getting positive energy and either providing nothing in return or releasing negative energy into the other. Abusive relationships can send aggressive, controlling, belittling energy or even energy attacks, which keep the other off balance, unable to respond appropriately, and even unaware of the problem. In these situations, daily cord cutting is helpful, but not enough to resolve the situation. In addition to doing what is practically necessary to get yourself into a safe situation, a cord cutting with solid boundary setting can reduce the damage. For these situations, I recommend using a strong fire of some kind. A candle, while usually readily accessible, is too small, gentle, and nurturing for such work. Have a fire going before the cutting process. Please use fire responsibly. Instead of using your hand, find something reflective of how decisive you wish the cutting to be. This can be an eagle, owl, or hawk feather, a wand, which is used for casting or defining, not healing, as this will attract energy, not repel it, or a knife. Always be careful with sharp objects. Go through the same physical process as I just described, but rather than gathering the cords with your hands, gather them with the tool and flick them into the fire. Once this is done, you'll want to set up protections for yourself. This can be done in a variety of ways and should be tailored to the specific situation. For some, taking a picture of the person and putting it into a timeout or boundary box will be effective. This is a bit like binding the energy, as it creates an alternate target for their cord, which is more attractive than you will be. So unless you choose to connect through your actions afterwards or through persistent thoughts, their connection will be active but stop reaching you. Another way is to wear a piece of protective jewelry. This can be something representing your totem, a talisman you create, turquoise wrapped around your left wrist to provide an energy shield, or even a locket with loved ones in it. Another is to begin to reprogram your energy with a mantra, blessings, or I am. The term blessings is not a giving of energy, but a definition of self. It brings the entirety of ourselves mind, spirit, emotions, body, into one unified whole, with the intent to be truly our loving self, but to take absolutely no more abuse. Intoning this mantra should not be about sending energy anywhere, but instead being energy. Like a will, anyone may dip from it without changing its essential nature, but its depths are its own and attempting to subvert it usually leads to drowning. 
The I am phrase activates our eternal spiritual self, bringing it to the fore and helping us recognize, become, and take action from our best and highest self. All of these create a boundary which makes us no longer available to those who wish to use, abuse, or harm us. It's not a substitute for saying no, calling emergency services, or getting out of the way, but it can support us through the process. Chords are a natural part of how we connect in embodied life. They are neither good nor bad in themselves, but instead manifest who we are and who we become in union with others. As the physical aspect of our connection to others, they can provide us with amazing insights into ourselves, as well as those we care for. Through awareness, nurturance, and good energetic hygiene, we can foster the types of community, friendships, and family we deserve. And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be digging into the physical process of manifesting and how it's not just about thoughts and willpower, it's also in the hips. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.